Bruce, what is happening? Hey, not much. How are you doing today? You know, I'm well. I'm excited to have you on here. It's, it's been a minute. It has been a crazy minute on our end. We've, you know, since the last time we talked, we've actually quadrupled the number of MSPs that we've been working with. So we, we actually multiplied it by four. That's awesome, man. I, I love hearing that. I love success stories. Uh, obviously, I'll take all the credit. Um, of course. I mean, none of them would have come to us without this <laughs> podcast. So if you're listening today, you know, thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to put that as a testimonial for all other vendors. Perfect. Because obviously Bruce would never lie. Never, not even get used out of context. I wouldn't even have <laughs> used out of context, maybe even never quoted out of context in something like a recent article. If you Google my name, oh no, what happened? Oh no, 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 I'm not going down there. Let's, let's, let's hit your questions. All right. So here's, here's what I'm going to talk about. Uh, you are, I'm going to call you the cybersecurity guru. Uh, I'm sure, you know, there's always somebody better, right? But well, you're, you're our guru today. Um, I'm the guru on the show, maybe. Yeah. Today. today. Okay. Yes. You're the smartest cybersecurity guy I've talked to all day. How's that? At least in the last 10 minutes. Ten hours. All right. Today, nice. Today, today's been uh, a very introvert kind of day for me. Okay. So. <laughs> that, makes, that makes more sense now. I'm good. Thank you. You're happy to help. Um, all right. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you as if I am an MSP that's super behind. I've got a couple guys in mind, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to. I don't want to embarrass them. I want to help them. So let's just dive right in. I'll, I'll, I'll pretend I'm a guy named Steve who doesn't really know what he's talking about. So where do you start? So, well, that's kind of a good question. So I hear a lot about, you know, CIS controls and NIST CSF and ISO 27001 and HIPAA and PCI DSS. And all of these other things, right? You know, New York has, um, gosh, I don't even, even know what it's called, but it's like the DFS something or another. Like all, all of these different areas have different types of um, compliance that companies have to adhere to for one reason or another. So if I, as an MSP, want to start improving the security posture for myself and my clients all in one fell swoop. What's the smart approach? That's a great question. Well, first let's, let's spend a couple of seconds on the compliance question. Cause I think you forgot like COBA and FERBA and SOC 2 type 2, like you've got a lot of compliancy that you could work towards. So let's first start there. Mm -hmm. If you're working to improve your security as an MSP, my two cents is Stop looking at compliance for a minute. Okay. Just, just put it out of your head for a second. Because here's the thing. Like, let's, let's think, I mean, let's, let's get down and really boil down the difference between security and compliance and maybe even throw IT in there. So let's say that, um, you know, Steve, you have clients that are business owners, right? Like you've got a number of business owners that are clients. Yeah. So they always think of, their businesses as their baby. Like, have you ever heard like a business owner call their business, their baby? I hear it all the time. It's it a, little, is. a little cliche, but they say it. They, they're like, oh, my baby, I got to take care of my baby. I'm growing my business, growing my baby. It's my third child, whatever. And let's use that as part of the analogy. So let's just say that the business is the business owner's baby. And our job is to transport that baby from their home to their office. Okay. So that's our job. If we're just purely talking about IT, so we're just saying IT services, our job is to transport baby from home to office. 
So if we're talking IT, that means we could get it there any way we want, as long as we get it there in one piece. So we could strap baby on the back of a motorcycle and um, drive baby across town. That would be IT delivering because we get the baby from home to the office in one piece. Now there's a little bit more risk associated with maybe driving baby across town strapped to your back on a motorcycle. Um, so we bring along security, which might be putting baby in a baby seat, which is a specialized security control that makes it so baby doesn't go flying if we get hit or something like that on the way from home to the office. So we, we put baby in a baby seat and now, now we have a more secure solution for driving baby, maybe put him also in a car, driving baby from home to office, right? So that's the first part. That's the security part. Now, what you asked me is if as an MSP, what are the first steps to securing my clients or how do, what are the first things that I'm not doing anything right now? What's the first things? And you asked me about compliance. So let's talk about compliance for a second. So compliance is on our journey from home to office, do we follow the rules of the road? As in, do we stop for stop signs? Do we stop for every stop sign? Do we come to a complete stop and look both ways? This is compliance. This is following the rules of the road. And this is where compliance and security are a little different. You see, if we look in most states, I, I did the research before this call because I had a feeling you're going to ask me about this. Um, in most states, there's no law against strapping a baby to your back and riding a motorcycle or a bicycle. There is a law about having it in a car seat when it's in a car, but I uh, couldn't find much on the actual strapping baby to your back IT solution. So the, the bottom line is, is you could be compliant, aka stopping for all the stop signs, looking both ways, like driving on the correct side of the road with baby strapped to your back on a motorcycle, but you might not be as secure as we want you to be. And so the first part of this question is, gosh, we got to get compliance and security lined up because compliance is not secure and secure is not compliance. I, I really like this analogy. So obviously this, this leads us into the discussion about risk where, you know, there's less risk for the baby if they're in, you know, a Volvo, which, you know, those things are, are one of the most safest vehicles, right? Uh, in the center of the, of the back or middle seat, uh, in, in the appropriate car seat strapped incorrectly, um, all, all everything, right? Um, whereas there's a lot of risk if you've got, oh gosh, what were those? Those things that I feel like they were super popular for a minute, or maybe it was just because we had babies. Um, and you like rabbit, you oh, yeah, no, I know. You, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, a giant swaddle thing that you wear. Those are still around. Okay. So I, I, I really obviously only saw them when we were fostering babies. As soon as we got into toddlers and, and older kids, like we just we never really saw people with them anymore. Can't think of what they're called. Doesn't really matter. But if you put a baby in one of those and you were wearing that or, uh, well, let's just stick with that one. And you're riding around on a motorcycle. If you get into some type of accident, whatever the type, there's a very good chance that the baby will just kind of pop out of that. Whereas if you at least put the baby in one of those, like, uh, the hangover backpack, but in the front looking things, like... As long as, you know, you don't go flying, the baby could be more protected. The baby won't go flying unless you are flying with it. Um, right. so, I, so I see all of that uh, with, with your analogy there. It, it even leads us as MSPs to understand risk uh, alongside the, the IT delivery thing there, right? And then when you talk about compliance as far, as far as following the rules of the road, now I start to think, all right, well, with compliance, sometimes you got to get a third party audit and that's where the police come in and give you tickets, right? Well, it's uh, sometimes, but uh, let's <laughs> for, for a second, 
let's think about the rules of the road, right? So the rules yeah, of the road yeah. are there because before they existed, people would get into silly accidents, mm-hmm. right? So there's a little bit of risk associated with not following the rules of the road and speed limit kind of falls into that same category. However, what I want to make sure that we do here today is we spend a couple of minutes talking about risk because that's ultimately what we want to make sure that we're reducing. And you can, you have a couple of choices with risk. You can, you can reduce it or you can transfer it, but you can't eliminate it. So what we want to do is we want to figure out, okay, if you're an MSP and you're on today's session, you're like, how do I even get started? The answer is identify your most important assets and start with them. And what I mean by your most important assets, well, I'm not talking about your bank account here. What I'm talking about is, is is everybody has critical digital assets or critical digital systems or even critical systems that their business runs on. And as an MSP, like I, I just think about all the things that are super critical to you, right? Your RMM is a critical, critical tool and it has critical data inside of it. Your password manager, that is also super critical, has critical data inside of it. And those two things are very, very important to the life of your business. So if you're thinking about protecting something, those would be areas that you would start because if there was a problem, if the threat actor got into one of those, it'd be very high impact in your environment. So that means that the threat has a high impact threat. There, the question is, is can we reduce the chances of that or reduce the number of incidents that happen in that way? And that would be therefore reducing that risk. So what I'm saying is first identify your critical assets, then figure out which ones of those need to be more protected than they are today, and then start on a security journey with those assets. I wouldn't even at this point, if you're just beginning, I wouldn't even spend any time thinking about compliance. Now, would I look at some of the controls, like you mentioned, CISA, um, absolutely. Yes, I would go through and I would look at the controls and I would figure out if there's anything there that I can adapt to my risk mitigation strategy. But ultimately mm-hmm. what this all comes down to is picking the biggest risk items and investing in securing those. Picking your baby, make sure you're protecting it. So the reason I brought up the, the compliance at the beginning is I ignorantly believe CIS controls could be a great place for the less security capable, capable MSP to start. And the reason that I feel this way is because they've got the benchmarks that basically say, Oh, you're running Windows 10? Set all of these settings in group policy or Intune or whatever. And and then like your Windows devices should, as long as they, you know, adapt all the policies and you audit them and verify and blah, 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 right? They they should meet the tier one controls. And then you can do the same for Microsoft 365. And they've even got benchmarks for you know, you, you know, I mean, they've got uh, yeah, yeah. iPhones and Mac OS, Cisco routers, like they got all this stuff where they, they like basically walk you through, here's, here's what you need to set up. Here's how you do it. Here's what you click on. Here are the implications, uh, uh, any, any consequences, pros and cons that, that you'll have once you, once you implement this. I like that because I think that that's a, that's a great thing for, for anyone that doesn't know where to start could look. Well, here's, here's the concern with that is let's say that we go after fixing our windows 10 devices. Let's say we invest a tremendous amount of effort in that area by following the exact guideline. And also just by the way, so you're, as you're looking at these, there's, there's another guideline out there that's super simple which is uh, part of uh, Microsoft's uh, Compliance Toolkit 1.0. 
and it actually has the group policy you can just push out through your rmm it's super simple to to do this to do to basically enforce those same things that you just mentioned in the cis framework but the thing is and this is where i think risk is so important and why you want to start with a risk assessment and really understanding where your critical data assets are and how they're being protected is my concern is that you start with this this very low end item that requires a decent amount of effort to implement whereas you might identify that your rmm is the most risky part of your business and specifically you don't have least privilege set up inside of the rmm right now and so you're protecting the wrong end of the spectrum. Like you're, you're okay. instead of transporting baby in a armored truck to the office, you're putting me together the armored truck and you're driving the armored truck over here from the house to the office. And over on the right side, we still got baby strapped to the back of it. And like in one of those little backpack things, like flying across the countryside on a motorcycle. So what I want to do is I want to make sure we're identifying baby. What is the most important part of the business? And then making sure we start with that. And that might not be the item that is in the CIS control or in the um, uh, compliance toolkit. It may be something much simpler that you could have implemented on day one without even really lifting a finger. So I I know in the past we've spoken about um tightening up your own MSP security and, and you should look at your PSA and your RMM and make sure that and I and I get it, you know. The the thing that I struggle with is and we're not gonna talk about any current news because I want this to forever matter, okay? Whether a company is recently breached or recently acquired or whatever, sometimes when, when everything is hosted in the cloud for us, what really can we do? Like, it's not like it's on my server in my infrastructure. It's, it's over in. Whoever, it doesn't matter what the company is. It's over in their infrastructure. Great question. So there's a couple of components that you can actively do to make sure that you're not going to fall victim to an event. And the first one is simple and it may not be popular. And that is, let's keep all of our eggs out of the same basket. Okay. And what I mean by that is it may be a challenge for you to, let's say, keep passwords in one solution and device access in another solution. Like that may be operationally challenging. Um, but when we look at it and we look at our complete list of passwords for all of our clients and if a threat actor gets access to them and they have access to actually attack our devices at the same time remotely, that makes it, that's, that's a little hard to walk back. That's a little difficult to deal with. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that the first thing that I would do is figure out which components of my MSP I don't want to have being serviced by the same company or the same company so that are for, what, how are we intertwined. The, yep. Okay. So, so it, examples. So yes. RMM and backups and all of your documentation and passwords. Like these are three things that you may want to have in separate buckets. You also just second comment here is I also want to make sure that you're thinking about how you're going to manage people's rights within your organization to those things. Because just because the vendor, the cloud vendor, we'll call it, is hosting all of these things, they're responsible for a couple of components of your security posture, right? So they're they're responsible for uptime, like giving you access to it. They're responsible for making sure it's patched and there's no like little back doors and stuff. So they're responsible for security on their end. 
but they give you a bunch of responsibility when it comes to user rights management and what people can do once they have access to an account. And so we got to kind of manage our own user access privileges and stuff like this. So those are the kind of two pieces here, Steve. And that's a really good point. So I want to, I want to comment on multiple things you mentioned. Let's start with the oldest first before I forget. Um, which is don't keep all of your eggs in one basket. So it doesn't sound like it to me, it doesn't sound like you're saying, you know, you should use. I'm just going to drop some names. You should use IT glue to, um, to store all your documentation and all the information about devices and passwords and, 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 right. And it should integrate to connect wise. And we're going to use data RMF. It's like, you're not even saying, hold on. You're not saying that we can't integrate all of them is what I think you're saying. I think you're saying that I shouldn't use Kaseya VSA, IT glue, Kaseya BMS and Unitrends backup because they're all owned by Kaseya. So if the parent company is breached, there's a, a higher possibility that somebody's getting into all of the systems. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily want to call out somebody uh, and, um, and but, that was yeah. just because it's a, it's a, it was the it was the one i could think of where all of the brands were owned by the same company we could say the same about Datto or uh connectwise i don't know if they own a backup product so I, I, it's not to pick on kaseya yep yep totally uh totally get it and uh so i, I just you're exactly you you just nailed it the way i would describe it now I, I just would add one little piece to that which is the only part that worries me when it comes to integration is single sign-on and what i mean by that is i'm i'm good i'm good with most apis especially if we rotate keys and we keep them nice and clean and we don't have keys and scripts and stuff like this remember keys api keys give somebody a lot of access to something that uh, could be pretty dangerous. So we want to make sure that we don't have a bunch of API keys floating around. But single sign-on is actually really challenging from a security standpoint. And so I want to make sure that we're using single sign-on for normal user accounts, for users that may be accessing stuff inside of your own clients as an, a way to improve operations inside of your clients. But let's just say that you're using one of the tools that was mentioned earlier and you have single sign-on set up with it with M365, Azure AD. We've, we've seen an attack vector in the wild that allows an attacker to take a transparent proxy, grab your cookies, and create a what we call magic token that allows them to access your M365 tenant and do naughty things like send email, um, create, mm -hmm. uh, you know, create porting rules, like all those things that can also be used with a global admin account. So we want to make sure that you're not using your global admin account for daily drivers and stuff like this and, and happy to, you know, happy to get in the weeds with you on how that works. But the other thing it can be used for, and this is where it gets really scary is it can actually be used to access tools that you have single sign-on set up with with Azure AD. And there's a lot of vendors out there that are doing that, really pushing MSPs to make that happen. And this goes back to that risk conversation we started out with, which is what do you have in those systems? Do you feel comfortable with that particular system being accessible by just me having to grab your primary refresh token off your device you know if that answer is yes and cool if the answer is no like you have passwords in there and certain things that you don't want to have an attacker to be able to get to easily then you may want to consider not using single sign-on for those solutions so again back to the risk and how much risk we're willing to take with these different assets so this is not a sponsored podcast. 
Do you have any sponsors? Yourself? No. Okay. I do not have any sponsors, but I do. Oh, no, no, never mind. I was going to say, I, I do have my mom who's listening and she is hopefully giving me the high five right now. Okay. So I want to ask this question and I want to be very clear. This is not to throw shade and this is not, I don't want your answer to be because, you know, this company gives you more money. You've already said you don't have sponsors. I just want to know if you were to start up a brand new MSP today, what PSA, RMM document, like what, what are, what does your stack look like based on your knowledge of how all of today's software currently functions security wise, everything? You know, that's a challenge. So if I were to start an MSP today, there's a couple of things that I would want to bring up first. The first one is that I would start by coming up with two solutions that I'm selling. And I know, I know that you're asking me about the tools on the back end, but I want MSP owners to think like other businesses for a minute. Other businesses don't think about how do I deliver my service. They start by thinking what I'm going to deliver. And so what I would, what I would think about is I would, I would think about, okay, what are my services going to look like? And I, I would have two services. I would have a basic MSP offering. Now this would include supports. It would include things like maintenance on workstations. It may include a very simple antivirus. Um, and then and, and of course, backups, like all the things that I would need to have in place not to be a jerk, you know, like the, the basic needs client solution, right? This would be, this would be the dry cleaner calls me up and they need a solution in place. This could be it. Okay. I would also have a security minded solution. Let's call it our advanced security stack. Now I like that. A lot of people give me a hard time about it. Steven, I like it because advanced security stack the acronym is just, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, so anyway, you know, so I'm trying to be a good boy today. So I get my advanced security stack and I call it advanced security stack 2022. And mm -hmm. I just aged this start, uh, podcast for you. Um, and, and so I, I, I put that together and what I'm doing now is I have two solutions. The reason I have two solutions, I know a lot of folks don't agree with me on this, but the reason I'd have two solutions is so one, I can, if I run into that basic needs client, I can actually provide them a solution to help secure their environment, to help them on their journey. Because everybody you talk to is on a journey. They're on a journey between being basic needs where they just, they have some basic needs. They don't really understand. They think, they think security is your responsibility as an MSP, completely your responsibility and you take care of everything. That's basic needs. And everybody's on that journey between basic needs and security minded. And what security minded is, those are the folks that are, they're like, they understand that security is something that everybody has to help with. They're willing to invest in the right things to make sure that their environments are secure. And so I would have those two things put together. So before I start, those are the two things I would focus on is, is those two different packages. Now I can answer your question of, what would I put in place? So okay. on the R on the RMM side, because you asked me this, um, you know, guys, I I have to say, I take a hard look at the folks at Ninja right now. Um, I I think they've been doing a lot of work and really improving their product, and their product is making momentum. I'm I'm seeing it change now. I would probably also take a look at the big dogs. Because you have to, you have to look and see what they're up to and see if there's any interest in either of those, uh, those products. Um, but I would definitely take a look at the folks over at Ninja. Now, the next thing is the PSA piece. Um, it, there's a lot to choose from out there. I don't even know if I could make a recommendation on that because it's kind of outside my real scope of where I work. Um, and then we're going to need some sort of simple antivirus and a simple antivirus that you could look at, you know, the you folks, say why we're, I was going to say Bitdefender, um, okay. but, uh, the, the folks at Bitdefender have been doing a lot of cool stuff. Are they great? 
Well, no, but nobody's great at being an antivirus. Like that's like saying is is like AT and T great at providing service on your phone. No, no, but neither is Verizon or anybody else because it's really hard to do. <laughs> it's like impossible. We're giving these people an impossible task. So like like pick your poison, put that on there, and for backups, you know, guys, I would look at. There's a couple of things that I would look at. First off, um, if I was just getting started, that means I don't have any crap to deal with. So I get to pr- choose. Uh, there's some folks um, at a company called Servosity. I think they're doing some good stuff out there. And uh, the thing I like about it is completely managed. So I don't have to deal with any of it. Like they're just taking care of it for me. I don't know if anybody else is doing something like that right now um, out there. Which where it's just completely managed. So I, I would go, probably go something like that. And the reason is, is because I'm going to be busy out educating clients on why they should move from basic needs to security conscious. And I, I got my hands full with all that. I don't want to miss a backup or something. So I just, I don't want to have that responsibility. So that would be the second piece or third piece. Now I have my, let's say that's my basic needs package. Now I would jump up to my security conscious package. Now this, this is going to have a couple of other things in it. I really like, and you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on this, but I really like sassy products right now. I think that there's a number of them that are, that are out there that are doing a really good job. And this is that, uh, that solution where they're, they're basically securing the edge of the endpoint. Um, and there are a couple of them that I think you should take a, a gander at. I would, um, I, I, right now I would be between, there's a product called total T O D Y L. And there's another product called control one from Citricon. And I think it's very interesting. They actually gave us a, a preliminary, um, pre-release version of that to look at. And it was, I'll tell you, it's interesting because one of the things, if I'm just starting an MSP is it's, it's me. And maybe if I hire somebody, it's going to be hard for me to attract top talent because one, it's very expensive and two, well, it's a small company. And so like attracting top talent can be challenging. So what I may want to do is I may want to be able to attract talent that's more like customer centric and maybe not as technical and that control one solution it's very simple for somebody to configure and manage. And so I, I kind of like that because now I got my firewalls and all of my endpoint management in one spot and a very easy way to maintain. So I keep an eye on that. I don't know if it's quite ready for prime time yet, but I would definitely keep an eye on that as I was, I was getting started. And then the other thing that I would be doing is I would be looking at, um, an MDX solution. Um, and the, the forerunner there in my book would be Blackpoint. And then finally, I would have a application whitelisting solution. And, and everybody knows I'm a big threat locker guy. Uh, so I'd be, I'd be probably throwing that in my environment. Um, and I've had partners tell me that their response, I mean, the reason I would pick threat locker for that piece is just I've had partners tell me about their response time. Like it's, it's incredible. Like they respond within seconds if you're working on something. And we actually had a partner, um, that had a, um, prospect go through and they were having a ransomware event. Like they got pulled in right in the middle of the ransomware event. And the team at threat locker was awesome. They actually, uh, gave, gave the partner a hand and, um, locked down the environment and just approve standard things. I mean, it was really cool. Like I thought they did a great job not having even been in the environment before it all started. So I would say those would be the folks that I'd be looking at. How did I determine that list? Well, there are two things that I like when it comes to products. If I've like starting an MSP, the first one is I want an organization that cares about me as an MSP. In all of those products that I just mentioned, like every single one of them, I know that they care about me as an MSP. Like I know that they're interested in helping me. Like if I have a problem, I can pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Um, the other thing, and, and by the way, I'm not saying that there are other vendors out there that aren't doing that. Sure. I think like Nate Huntress, I probably could have, but like they, they do a great job. But the thing is, is, is the other thing that I really like about the products that I listed is they're all leading 
the charge of improving their products. Like they're making big changes happen that are improving the way that the tools are working in the environments and they're, they're getting better. And I can actually see them getting better over time just in looking at it like a six month window. Do so you, that, do that you reminds also, sense. sorry, do you also so consider them to be leading for, I'll call it their industry. So like just, just picking uh ninja because you said they've, they've done a lot of work. They've been improving their product. Do you also consider ninja uh, one of the best RMMs, or do you think some of the larger players still kind of hold that? Well, this is why I said you'll definitely want to take a look at the larger players too to see what they're up to. But mm -hmm. I like about Ninja, and the reason I think it's kind of leading um, its charge is I really love their scripting engine and the PowerShell built-in capabilities that it has. And I'm not seeing that out of other vendors right now in an hmm. easy way. Like if you look at, if you look at, oh gosh, now I'm, now you're making me name names. If you look at okay. scripting engine, like, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm on a high enough floor to jump out the window for that one. Cause it's tough. Like their scripting engine in continuum, I mean, they're improving, like they now I think the last three or four months, they've given us the ability to add um, variables. But like, come on, come on, guys, like we need to be able to have like uh, variables that change per location and per machine and like all of the things that are built into the LabTech product that uh, that uh, LabTech automate, can, you know, ConnectWise automate versus ConnectWise. How are the names? Control, is it these days? Um, control, manage. Um, what's continuum called? Don't know. Yeah, it's, it's automate is the, is the old lab tech product. Um, but continuum control is screen connect. What is continuum called? Well, I'm sure somebody can figure it out with quick Google. Anyways, the thing is, is that what we're, what, what I want to see happen is I want to see that platform become one like okay now it has all the things you need in order to be able to provide services in a, as an msp and here's a really great scripting engine so that you can automate some of the work you're doing um and i think that's coming but it's just not quite there yet and i think i think uh the folks at um ninja have kind of gotten ahead of them at this point um but across the board i would you know i'd definitely be looking at each one and i i think that's part of our job as an msp is not just saying these are the tools I'm going to use, but saying these are the tools that I'm going to use because the organizations that are running them are on the path that I want to be on. And also, if you looked at the security stack that I put together, you probably would say, Bruce, there's a lot of overlap there. Like you have a, you have a whitelisting tool. Do you really need an MDX solution? And the answer is, yeah, I want a little bit of overlap in my stack because if, if one of those tools gets compromised, I want to be able to shut it down and feel confident that my clients are in a good spot. And so that's, that's why I have that overlap that's built in there. So our job is to one, pick the right vendor, but then two, make sure that we build enough overlap into our stack that we can shut down stuff and and three, write the scripts and stuff that allow us to shut those things down so we know what to do when we do have an event where one of these tools is compromised. Now, I, I feel like I have so many questions about tools or types of tools that were never mentioned. Um, and, and that could be everything from like a, a fully managed sock type of environment where they're pulling logs off of everything. You didn't talk about any hardware firewalls, any of that kind of stuff. Um, is some of, are some of these things overkill or maybe outside of the scope of what the typical MSP actually knows how to do? So maybe they just shouldn't be doing it. Well, let me let me respond to that really quickly. Uh, one thing I I should have added, but I didn't, was a password manager. That's my fault. That really should be in there. The reason that I didn't mention a SIM and a SOC is because um, 
the MDX group is going to handle the collection of those logs and the X in MDX is extended. And the reason that it's extended is because it's collecting logs from things like my M365 environment, my routers, as well as my endpoints. And the other component is, as you're asking me, like, why didn't I name firewalls and, and, you know, mentioned something along those paths. If I were starting an MSP today, I would be avoiding investment in uh, a really like high end IPS IDS solution, because my thought process is that that's going to be moving towards the edge of the endpoint. And that's why the SASE solutions are so important to me. Whereas instead of trying to, you know, protect the environment where all of our people are working now, what we're doing is we've got people, you know, working on the M365 side and we have devices all over the place accessing data out there. So now what I have to do is I have to be able to not only protect the endpoint, but protect my connection up to these different cloud services. So that's why I'm looking at this as a play to really get out of the firewall management area. Now, if you're going after large enterprise, so, you know, we didn't really talk about this, but I think there's a big play right now in M- MSP land. And let me just kind of, if can I, can I switch the subject for just a second? Yeah, go for it. So if you talk to anybody that's investing, like if you talk to somebody that's, that's on the private equity side, or you talk to somebody that's in venture land, what you're going to find is they look at a number of indicators and decide whether to invest in a certain market segment based on those indicators. And if you look at MSPs, we're growing pretty quick. We are. So that's, that's interesting, right? Um, and specifically because we're servicing SMB, you know, and the biggest opportunity that I think is out there right now, and I, I'm seeing people talk about these things too. Like I, uh, uh, Fred from Kaseya was on stage last week and he even mentioned, Hey guys, your, your big opportunity isn't the S part of SMB anymore. It's the M part It's moving up to mid market. So it's, it's kind of moving up market. And the reason for that, he didn't really get into the details, but the reason, if you ask me is a lot of these IT directors, you know, how hard it is for you to find talent right now. Just think about if you're running a big corporation or a, or a medium sized business and the M part of SMB, um, now you've got 200 users, 500 users. These are big contracts for an MSP. And you're also stressed to find talent. And as your IT manager becomes an IT director, his, his opportunity goes upstream and there's no one backfilling that talent right now. And so if I were running my MSP, the market focus that I would have would be on going after co-managed opportunities specifically ones where the IT director is involved. And if you ask me, the best way to do that is to go in as a virtual CSO. So as a virtual chief security officer. And that's why, again, why I had the, my products broken out in that way. So I can just sell my security solution to him and then go join the executive team at that organization as a VC. So I'm not stepping on this guy's toes because he wants to be the CIO. If I, if I did a VCIO play, well, that's a different story. Now I'm kind of like, kind of like getting into the stream. But if I do a VC, so solution, I get in there. I'm now talking to the executive team. I'm providing security services only. I'm not providing those standard MSP services because his IT team is handling that. Now, when he leaves, my opportunity just opened up to work my way down into the MSP side of that too. So I'm basically uh, creating a really good win-win for for myself as, a, as an organization. So if you ask me, that would be where my product development would be right now. And when you're, when you're pitching that to these, uh, these larger companies to do co-managed, yeah. are you just selling them the software? And, and obviously, I assume you're doing... I'm going to call it the bare minimum, right? Cause you, you're going to, you're going to like automate as much as you can with whatever security software you're selling them. You'll manage it, I assume, cause you're the, you're the VC. So, but you're not really including like a whole bunch of 
hours per se, because you, you don't yeah, so, need to. So the strategy here is I'm not, I'm not selling them hours. Now I am going to sell the management of the stack and I am going to sell them. I mean, as if it's a VC so offering, I'm responsible for the entire security program. So I'm going to have to own both the security and the compliance side of the puzzle. So that means I'm going to have to, if, if I'm just one of these guys starting out and I don't have a security background, I'm going to have to do some quick education. I'm, there's also some strategy about how to communicate, Hey, you can go buy some of these tools. Um, but you're not going to have the overlap and the capabilities built into them that I've built in to deal with something like a compromise in a particular tool set. So that's why you need me as your VC. So, and it's not something you can just go do. Now, the other thing I'll just mention real quick is be real careful when you're selling this because you don't want to give them a shopping list, right? You don't want them to have a, give them the list that you can just go to Walmart and buy. And so you want to, present the solutions that you're doing as features and benefits and not as those individual line items that you're actually putting in there. So an example would be application whitelisting. I'm not going to say line item threat locker because they could probably go to threat locker and buy directly. Instead, I'm going to say we're able to keep executables from running on devices that aren't approved. I'm not even going to say whitelisting because I don't want something that you can Google and go figure out how they might find a solution to do this. That's amazing and nefarious all at the same time. I love it. I have one last question for you. Well, two last questions. One, I'm going to rewind. Um, You said we are making a 2022 stack, right? So eventually you're going to build out your 2023 stack. So here's, I, I've got a couple colleagues that are customers of yours, and I want to talk about that here before we're done. Um, so it sounds like what you do is you say, build a 2022 stack, build it, build a solution stack of what you are selling people for this current year. And then, you know, toward the end of the year, build next year's stack. It could just be the same stuff, but if you decide you want to change products for whatever reason... You do it for next year's stack. Do you keep the people that bought this year's stack on this year's stack moving into next year? Or like, is that a, they stay on the stack that their contract is for. And if they want the new stack, they're in a new contract kind of thing. How do you do that? Yeah. So this is, this is a great question. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to have your master service agreement and then your stack is a product that they're buying from you. And you're going to increment it that model year every year. The reason you're doing that is because, guys, you have the biggest opportunity that you've had since MSP first started, which is nobody has a buying cycle figured out for security products right now. They don't, they don't understand when to buy the next level of product. As in, like, if I, if I talk about my own buying cycle for like a car, my buying cycle for a car is four years, okay? If Steven comes to me and says, hey, Bruce, you, I got this new car that just came out. I'd be like, I don't care. I like my car if I were three years in. If I were four years in, I'd be like, let's talk. What do you got? Right? So, so that's a buying cycle. And it's basically when somebody's ready to purchase. And so with managed services, it's actually 36 to 48 months. And it, it's when the new shiny guy becomes the not so new shiny guy, screws up on a project or pisses somebody off or whatever. That's, that's usually when they're ready to buy. With security, that hasn't been figured out yet, hasn't been around long enough. So your opportunity is to add a model year to help people understand that this is an annual change. And a lot of people say, well, what if I, what if I want to add something halfway through the year? What do I do then? Well, it's simple. You sell it a la carte. So you sell that one thing a la carte at like a 300% markup. And you may think that that's shocking. But the reason for that is because now when you increment your model year in 2023, you basically go back and you say, guess what? This is now included here and your price came down a little bit. Even though you might have incremented the price overall, the price came down a little bit for those folks that were buying the a la carte item. So that's a good way to do that so that you have a strategy for every year being able to update that. That's amazing. 
Bruce, thank you so much. Uh, can you please quickly, I'm sorry, we're just because we're out of time for you. Can you let us know uh, what website do you want MSPs to go to to learn more about uh, your company, your service? And can you also just give us a, a quick, like, tell us about Galactic Scan? Because one of these days, I want to have you just show it to us because it sounds so neat. All right. Well, super simple. Go to galacticscan.com, www.galacticscan.com. And there you'll find information for MSPs. And it has things like for smaller MSPs all the way up to super MSPs, like how to use our different methodologies to improve. And we do three things for you guys, right? So the first thing that we do is we give you the ability to improve your profitability and reduce your risk. Okay. So that's the first thing. And that's with the different frameworks that we built out to make it so that your stacks all work and that you have, like I was talking about earlier, having a little bit of stack overlap, we can kind of go through how to do all of that. The next thing that we do for you is we give you kind of a painless ongoing third-party assessment. I mean, imagine being able to fulfill some of these new insurance requirements of having a third-party penetrate, do a penetration test on a network or having a third party analyze a network for you. Imagine having somebody do that. That's not like your competitor because we don't sell anything other than assessment. So that's a good, a good painless way to get a third party assessment. And then finally, what we do is we give you a very simple, scalable way to illustrate risk as in to show somebody exactly what will happen if somebody on their team and one in five people will do this. If somebody on their team clicks a malicious link. And so those are the three things that we do for MSPs, basically making it easy for you to start building out your security solutions and illustrating to your clients and prospects why they should invest in them. Thank you so much, Bruce. I really appreciate uh, all of the, all of the information, all the content that you taught us about today. This has been truly awesome. Thanks for having me.